Do you want to do another Schmanners on weddings? I do. You've made me the happiest woman on earth. It's Schmanners! husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello. How, how is it to be recording here in our new temporary home for the month? Um, it is interesting to be back in the Ohio River Valley. Um, my allergies. My uh-huh. allergies. My allergies. Oh, oh, my allergies. For those of you who have never sojourned to the Ohio River Valley, it's amazing. It's like, I, I can't even describe how palpable the allergens are <laughs> here. It, it's, it's like traveling to a new planet where you have not developed any immunity to the diseases on that planet, and you land and you're immediately like, <gasps> smallpox, and you like fall over. <laughs> I feel like I used to be, you know, prepared at least. No one is immune. But I used no to be <laughs> I used to be prepared, and after living in California for two years, it's just it's ridiculous. So we're back, and if we sound uh, just a little bit, you know, snuffle up, I guess that's why uh, uh, we've, we've got allergens all up in our face. And I would like to say thank you so much to everyone who was so kind to us during the week that we were off, um, because. You know, moving is hard. Moving is hard. And we had a lot. You know, I have moved in many different time periods of my life. I moved to college when I was 18, moved back when I was 22, moved to Cincinnati when I was 25, moved in with you when I was 26, and then moved to Los Angeles when I was, what, 29. And it just seems like it just kept getting more and more difficult as we added more and more facets to our life. This time traveling with the cat and the dog and a pregnant wife was a whole new experience. It was great. Terrific. It went smooth for everybody who might have been concerned. Everything went well. There were no problems because we were super well prepared and had everything planned out. And everything went great. And everybody was very nice. Yes. So let's like do an episode now. Okay, what do great. You say? Okay. Um, well, so here we are again. More facets of of the traditional, I would say the the Western wedding. I want to say one of my favorite things about this is I put, I debated when I was typing out the subject because I was like, hmm, how do I phrase this to make it clear that I'm talking about like the people that are in the wedding party and not parties at weddings. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, it'll be fine. And there were definitely some people yeah. were like, how drunk is too drunk at a wedding party? I was like, oh, no, no. no I mean, that's called the, a reception. The party, the wedding party. So what is the wedding party? Let's start there. What's included in a wedding party? Traditionally, and I'm going to be saying that a lot. Traditionally, the people included in a wedding party are the maid or matron of honor, depending upon whether or not she's married, the bridesmaids, junior bridesmaids, flower girl, and then on the, the male side of the spectrum, uh, you have uh, the best man, the groomsman, junior groomsman, and the ring bearer. Okay. Why? Okay. Well, like a lot of things... 
that we do in tradition, they may or may not have started with the Romans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard of them. Yes. I've seen, I've seen the HBO shows and whatnot. So ancient Roman law required 10 witnesses to be pre- present at a wedding. And that is considered the precursor to the whole bridal party tradition in the way of um, they wanted to, you know, you could have 10 people there who were just supposed to be there and they would, you know, witness it and swear it before the gods. Got it. So they were just there as like, yeah, we, we saw it. It happened. Most deaf, you guys. We were all there. Right. Got but... It. Also, like a lot of things we talk about, there's several ways that it might not be the Romans. Okay, because I've heard before, and this might be completely apocryphal, but I've heard that the reason that you have like bridesmaids and they all dress similar to the bride to confuse demons and the devil so that they don't know which one is the bride and which one is the bridesmaid. Sure, yeah, that's definitely one. Um, That may have started... With the Anglo-Saxons instead of the Romans. Um, because at one point, when when weddings were still kind of a kidnapping. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, it, it varies from kidnapping to selling. Um, right, yes. right. Um, friends of the groom were given the role of guardians or bodyguards to the gu- the bride. So it was their duty to make sure she got to the wedding safely and later to the groom's home. Um, And, you know, they wanted to make sure that she arrived to both places with her dowry and her person intact. Mm -hmm. Now, what exactly they were protecting her from uh, varies between, you know, the idea of the evil spirits and the demons or her own family. If it was, you know, yeah, one of those one things, of those. man. Oh, you go, you go just a little ways back in the history of marriage, and it all gets so skeevy. That's what I always think about when people talk about the quote sanctity of marriage. Where I'm like, yeah, you know what, you guys, maybe updating traditions is good. Yeah. So, um, in fact, these groomsmen may have originally been called brides knights. That okay? Can I just say though? I know I just knocked tradition. Brides knights is a way cooler title than groomsmen. <laughs> Brides knights. Brides knights sounds like the version of the TV show Brides, where on Brides it all happens during the day, but then things get a little steamy on Brides nights. While we're on this, uh, the side of the groom, um, there is also legend that the best man uh, has been called the banished friend. What? So, well, so we're talking about this idea of protecting the bride, right? Uh-huh. Well, um, the male, or sorry, the groom would stand on the right of the bride. Yes. And then the bride is on the left of the groom. And then to the left of the bride would be the best man to make sure she was kind of, you know, protected from all angles. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, And then legend has it that a jealous groom couldn't stand another man being closer to his to-be bride by on the left side. So 
he put himself in between them and put the group, the best man, banished him to his side. So gotcha. away from the bride. Does that make sense? I feel like I should draw a No, diagram. no, no. I understand. He used to be over here and then moved him over there. Right, because he got, got jealous. I've also heard before, and this might also be apocryphal, that the best man was there that if the groom didn't show up or if there was some issue, that the best man would then step up and marry the bride. Is that completely made up or is that anything? Um, I might have also just seen that on an episode of Boy Meets World. That might not have been real. That isn't something that I found, but I wouldn't put it past it. Yeah. You know? It's not, well, here's the thing. What we're really dealing with here is marriage. I don't think it would be easy to pin down marriage origins to one culture because, like, everybody was pairing off. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like nobody was pairing off until they heard about this thing from the Romans. So it must be just tons and tons and tons and tons of origin stories for, like, wedding traditions because every individual culture had their own, and they probably were very similar. Like, there were probably people that stood up there for this reason or people who stood up there for that reason, and it wasn't just one specific origin. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I mean, right? Like, it it seems like that would make the most sense to me that probably on some level all of these things were probably to some degree true. Um, so moving over to the bride's side, um, bridesmaids or brideswomen had several... Brideswomen is way better. Can we get back to that? Or bridespeople? <laughs> Bride humans. <laughs> they had several duties towards the bride. Um, and the mat- matron or maid of honor uh, is, per- is um, said to have once been called the senior maid. <laughs> That's not as good. That's yeah. not as good. How about honor guard? Can we go with that? About it? <laughs> okay. Well, so I think that the reason that they called her senior maid is because her job was basically to be almost the bride's servant for a few days. So more like senior officer than like old maid. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um. So she'd take care of her stuff and make sure she looked pretty and you know, delegate and kind of be, almost be like, like a surrogate host. Yeah, like you know? event coordinator is what yeah. it sounds like, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, the bride had enough of stuff to do that they didn't want to have to do hosting duties as well. So, you know, they would be kind of a host and attend to the bride and, and things like that. Um, another origin story of the bridesmaid tradition uh, is based in the Bible. I've heard of it, yes. The Bible? Yeah. I think I saw that at a books a million once. So uh, when Jacob married Leah and Rachel, each woman brought her own maid, right? But they were more personal servants rather than, you know, bridesmaids we think of today who just kind of hold the bouquet and... Make sure your dress is straight for pictures, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, I mean, that is, that makes sense. Each one brought an attendant, so there you go. I mean, that makes sense. I, I can totally see why. It totally makes sense. Like, I, I can see, especially back in the day when people actually, like, had maids and had people that were there to attend to them, how that all sprang up out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes the most sense to me, especially, like, when you think about the idea of, like, 
on the bride side, you know, you have people attending to them to make sure they're all ready to go. And on the groom's side, like the groom probably has a posse of dudes that they roll around with and that they do everything with. And maybe even like, is there like, you know, army, their knights, that kind of thing. They're mm-hmm. just like, hey, I do everything with my boys. <laughs> so much of this, just as we're talking about, it, it's all so sexist. It is. It's it's really hard to get away from that in my head as we talk about it. Or I say that, I'm like, wow. They really do focus on, like, the boys are off carousing while the women are getting pretty. Like, ugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the tradition of heteronormative marriage is just so old. Yeah. It's very stodgy and very old-fashioned. I mean, when you think about it, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, too, like the idea of, like, asking the bride's father if you can marry his daughter and the presenting of the bride to the son, to the groom and, like, Well, and I mean, we've talked about this before. If those traditions are important to you, you should do them. Yes. And it doesn't really matter where they sprang from. If that's something that means a lot to you, go for it. And I think that that's something I, I really do want to stress, that although a lot of these traditions have kind of iffy beginnings, we people do them, yeah, and they it's, don't it's, think about those beginnings. They do them because you want to do them, and you should do them tra- if you want to. It's hard to find traditions older than 100 years that don't have iffy beginnings. Like, yeah. Christmas, like everything has iffy beginnings if you go back too far. And so what it really comes down to, you are correct. I don't mean to shame anybody. If you want, you know, to ask the bride's father and that's the kind of family that you're dealing with, that's cool. But you don't have to. I think that's the thing with, I think like our wedding, traditions exist to pick and choose from the ones that you like, not as a rule book of what you have to do. Absolutely. It's more like when you flip through it like a design catalog and you're like, which of these patterns do you like? Okay, great. Not that you have to use all the patterns. Yeah. Well, and I, I do want to mention one more thing while you were talking about the, the, the posses that people maintained. Um, in the early 19th century, uh, it became in vogue to take all your bridesmaids with you on your honeymoon. Whoa, but probably different rooms, right? I don't know. Okay, because that's there was a thing. <laughs> this is it, this is real in the medieval uh, times, not the restaurant, but the actual medieval times. <laughs> it was not uncommon on the wedding night to have witnesses to make sure it was consummated and that that went down the way it was supposed to. Man, I'm glad there's some traditions that fell by the wayside. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a whole honeymoon episode and we'll talk about that more. So let me ask you this before we get into the questions and stuff. What kinds of duties go along with being in someone's wedding party? Like, and once again, traditionally, we're going to talk groomsmen, bridesmaids, you know, maid, matron of honor, best man, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, since I started with the guys last time, I'm going to start with the ladies this time. Uh, The maid of honor or matron of honor, if she's married, uh, has several duties that usually are before the wedding happens. So coordinating other bridesmaid activities like dress fittings and bridal showers and bachelorette parties. Um, They help the bride with any kind of like errands or tasks 
I mean, like, it's still the same sort of thing where, like, the maid or matron of honor is almost like the surrogate host. Yeah. She's taking care of a lot of this stuff because the bride is presumably thinking about other things. Yeah. Though I have known many people that where it was more that the bride and the person of honor were working together to do the thing. Right. Because, like, in this day and age, especially with, like, wedding planners and event coordinators and caterers and all that stuff where it starts to be that the bride could feel like now I sit and wait while everyone plans stuff around me. Right. Well, and so at the wedding, the maid or matron of honor is responsible for holding the bouquet while they get, while the bride and groom get married and, you know, arranging the dress and the veil and, you know, making sure everything looks good. Well, and and that, I don't think that that's so much like looks good for vanity because there's pictures and video. Yeah, tons of pictures. And you want it to not be, you don't want to get the pictures back and be like, my veil looked like that? Oh, man. <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah. That's a bummer. Well, then, so as it goes down the line, the bridesmaids then are kind of like at the matron or maid of honor's beck and call for her to delegate to, basically. Um, traditionally, Uh, The matron or maid of honor and the bridesmaids pay for their own attire, as well as transportation and lodging if they have to travel. Um, But, like, bridesmaids are really, like I said, they're just kind of be extra hands to assist. They're there. They're They're there there. if you need them. Yeah. They're the crew. That's why they all dress in black and they work (laughs) backstage. What about the groom's party? Okay. So the groom's party has a, a best man, and he's called the best man whether he's married or single. That doesn't seem right. Sorry. Best um, best person. Best. Uh, it should be best and then second best man. <laughs> second you, best if they're unmarried, because oh, okay. being married is awesome, you guys. I see. Uh, it, his main role is to organize the bachelor party. See, this, this... Okay, if I might just jump in for a second. I I have been a best man before, and I've been in uh, groom's parties a couple of times now in my life. I think that this is where tradition has really veered off, because I think that traditionally so much work got piled on the bridal party, on, like, bride sign, and the dudes were like, we're, we're just, I just need to make sure he doesn't run. <laughs> and, like, nowadays, like, when I was best man, I was doing so much work helping set up everything, and I'm glad that tradition has veered more into, no, everybody helps, and there's just as much stuff for the groom party to do as well. Certainly, and, you know, now... He'll help coordinate the formal wear fittings. Um, he might pick up the groom's attire before the wedding. Um, sometimes the best man is responsible for orchestrating toasts at the re- at the different parties, like rehearsals and wedding reception and things like that. Um, and it even says here, which is from, I think, The Knot, that uh, he confirms honeymoon travel reservations. <laughs> I don't want anyone else to do that, please. <laughs> I don't ever want anyone else to confirm my tra- travel reservations for anything. I would like to come up with new terminology. I think right now we just blanket across the board. We do away with maid, matron, best man, all of that. We just go second officer, second mm-hmm. command, right? And then we have like 
helmsman. We just go down through like the Star Trek officers, and okay. that's what your your party becomes. Um, and no one wants to be the red shirt, but there's gotta be a red shirt. That's the young, maybe the, <laughs> maybe the ring bearer and the flower person are, are red shirts. Um, but I just, I think, let me ask you a question. In, as you were doing your research huh. of, the, of the duties of the parties, did you find any reason? Cause we got asked this question and I know a lot of people have this concern. Did you find any reason that it, that there, but th- that you couldn't like mix genders and put whoever you want onto your party? Nope. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like duty-wise. It just sounds like traditionally it's all one gender. on the. But, like, if you have a female best friend and you want her to be your, you know, best person, go to town. Like, no one can stop you. The wedding police won't swing in through the stained glass and pull you out of the church. Right. And if they do, how cool would that be? That would be really cool if that happened on your wedding day. Oh, no, it didn't happen. Oh, what happened? Well, the wedding police swung in, smashed through the windows. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Female best man. It was crazy. Well, and I found a, a more exhaustive list on brideandgroom.com. Um, goodness. The bullet points, Travis McElroy. A list of what? Of things that made, of, of all these people are supposed to do. Oh, goodness. How specific does it get? Uh, let's see. So for the maid or matron of honor, some of these bullet port points go so far as to say, arrive at least two hours early to assist the bride in dressing. Um, be gracious and serve as auxiliary hostess at the reception. Dance when the music starts at the reception and make sure other guests dance. That is you important. Know. That's important. The, bride, the bridal party, no matter who's on it, how many people you got, their job is to start the dancing. At the reception. Oh. I stand by that wholeheartedly. Okay. All right. So if you if you are interested in a more exhaustive list uh, with at least 10 bullet points each listing duties, please visit brideandgroom.com. And where does where do toasts fall into the bridal party? Because I, I've, I've had it in my head that whoever your second officer is has to give a toast. Is well, that not true? Again, yes. Traditionally, the maid or matron of honor and the best man both give toasts. But they don't have to. No. Like we said, nobody has to do anything. I bring that up only because our dear sweet, uh, your, your matron of honor, <laughs> I did not know that she was not planning to give a toast. And I got up at the reception and said, oh, the best man, the matron of honor will be up in just one second to give a toast. And I look over to see her face just, <gasps> and I was like, <laughs> and you like came, I was like, she's not, I told nope. her she didn't have to. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, sorry, just the best man. I apologize that I did not inform you sooner. <laughs> I think I may have, but you well, know, in the, in the heat of the moment. You know how my brain works. Um, but yeah, nobody has to do anything. Okay, well, we're going to be right back to answer some of your questions. But first, here's a word from some other Max Fun shows. Hello, and welcome to Podphone. What type of podcast are you looking for? You have chosen funny podcasts about bad movies. Rated R. May we recommend... The Flophouse. Three friends talk about bad movies and make each other and you laugh. Rated R. The Flophouse is playing at your ears. If you download it right now or whenever. 
Rated R. To purchase tickets to The Flop House, you don't need to do that, just download it. The Flop House, Rated R. For nudity, I guess. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. Um, so we're back. We have some questions here every week. We post in the Facebook group and on the Twitter what the topic is going to be so that you can ask your questions. I mean, we can do a little advising. Uh, this first question comes from Katie Giles. Should bridesmaids and groomsmen stay until the end or is leaving early acceptable with a good reason? Uh, you're going to have to take that up with your bride and or groom. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was so happy to have the extra help at the end. Um, just knowing that I could get into the car and we could go to the hotel and have a nice relaxing evening after the chaos of a wedding and that my bridesmaids and groomsmen would take care of everything for us. It was just so wonderful. I think that there is a non-traditional role that I would advise anybody getting married. Well, two really. So we had our own officiant, um, which, you know, I understand if it's like a priest or somebody, you know, not a personal friend doing it, that maybe they don't participate as much. But like ours was our friend, Jeremy, who was indispensable in the whole process. Just one for helping us set up the ceremony. And then two, just as like, another groomsman for me, basically. And also our friend Kelly operated basically as like the production coordinator, stage manager, everything. Like not like more than an event planner. She was there day of like facilitating everything. Oh God, have that person. It was a game changer for us. And my like, mother still speaks so highly of Kelly because of how indispensable she was at our wedding. Have that friend, especially if you don't have some kind of like, you know, wedding planner, have the friend that you trust the most so that you're not having to make all those decisions and coordinate cleaning up and figuring out where is everything going and who's doing what. It's the best. I, I love it. So if you are unable to stay to the end, um, I would recommend that you talk to the bride or the groom, whosever side you're on there, and and let them know just because... Beforehand. Yes, beforehand. Not like mid. There's enough going on without you being like, oh, by the way, I got to leave in 10. Okay, bye. Yeah, don't try to escape. Um, it, sh it should be discussed and everybody should know what's going on. Because the last thing you want is for it to be the end of the night and the newly married couple left by themselves to clean up the venue. Like... Yeah, if that's, that's not, not the saddest thing you've ever pictured, I don't know what is. Um, this is from Elizabeth. Who should receive a gift from the bride and or groom? Also, who wears corsages and or boutonnieres? Okay. Well, so the first half is, again, traditionally, the bride gives gifts to everyone in her wedding party. And the groom gives gifts to everyone in his groomsman party. Now, is that from... Maid, matron of honor, all the way down to flower girl. Yep. Everybody gets a little token of appreciation. Um, and maybe efficient, too, if you want to throw yeah, that. Yeah, you should give one to your as, If they're doing well. it to you as a favor, like as a friend. 
Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be big. And uh, the, the thing that's in vogue these days is to give everyone kind of matching gifts. Uh, for instance, I gave all of my bridesmaids a robe. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. To wear while they got ready for the wedding. And I did pocket engraved pocket watches uh, so that they wouldn't be late. <laughs> <laughs> and these gifts are given at the rehearsal so that they can, um, or the rehearsal dinner, you know, in there, so that they can actually use them on the wedding day. And in this day and age, um, there are so many, like, websites and online stores that basically exist to... Uh, provide wedding gift, like, you know, party gift options that you can get, like, 12 pocket watches for not not a, you know, wallet-breaking thing. And, you know, it it varies. I've I've received flasks. I've uh, received, like, personalized, you know, cases and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's it's whatever fit. I think that the whatever the present is, should reflect the groom's person. If you're going for like a group, everybody gets the same thing. Mm-hmm. Reflect a little bit of the person giving its personality of sure. like every time you look at this, you'll remember my wedding for this reason. So yeah. like for me, I'm very obsessed with punctuality. So everybody got a punk- <laughs> pocket watch. You know what I mean? And then uh, corsages and boutonnieres. Well, so traditionally... The bridesmaids carry a uh, bouquet, smaller bouquets, in the same vein as the the bride. And then um, because the groomsmen also, you know, this sort of thing works in balance. There's a little flower that you give to the groomsmen, the boutonnieres, that also kind of reflect a quality of the bride's bouquet. Um, and then anyone who is not in the actual wedding party, but you wish to acknowledge as as a contributing factor, so like mother of the bride, mother of the groom, father of the bride, father of the groom, um, if anyone has been super special in your life, say you have... A, a special neighbor that watched you while you were a child or like a, Wilson from home improvement. Exactly. <laughs> Any of those things you, you might want to give them a corsage or a boutonniere um, just so that they feel a little more part of the ceremony. Well, and there's like, you know, and like we've always said past that, if you're efficient, it's like a family friend doing it for you. And, you know, another part of the wedding party that we haven't addressed is kind of the, you know, extended wedding party, like the ushers, the that kind right. of thing, the people operating in official roles to like help facilitate the wedding. Those people, you know, it sure. may, you may want to coordinate boutonnieres with them or flowers for them and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and these are this is the kind of thing again that you want to work on beforehand, especially with um, mothers of the bride and groom. They may not want to stick a pin in their dresses, so you may magnets. <laughs> it's listen magnets it's, if you're great. doing that green like flower tape around, mm-hmm. tape a little magnet in there, then have a little magnet that sticks on the back. You don't got to shove a pin through anybody's expensive dress or dress shirt. Magnets. How do they work? That's a great idea. I was going to suggest wrist corsages. Either one works. Um, I have two questions here that I think fall into the same vein. And it was kind of, this was our elbows on the table question this week. 
Uh, so Rebecca asked, if you are a maid of honor in your best friend's wedding, what kind of presents are you expected to give? And Kate asked, is a wedding gift expected from members of the wedding party? The bridesmaids in particular are already spending a lot of money on the event. I, um, I scoped this question beforehand. And uh, I consulted Miss Manners and... In her articles in the past, she has said, yes, you are traditionally expected to still give them a gift, but a group gift is just as acceptable. So um, if all the bridesmaids have been rather tapped with all of the, the expenses, to gather their resources might be a good idea. Um, and it doesn't have to be large. Something typically within the $20, $25 range isn't going to, hopefully, isn't going to break your bank. Um, and homemade gifts are also always accepted. Any kind of um, pictures or uh, homemade jams and jellies and cookies and such of those things, also accepted. So according to Miss Manners, yes, you are. I think this ties in a little bit to this next question as well. This question is from Kevin. My wife and I believe that it is okay to decline a request to join a wedding party. Are we right? Now, a lot of people ask, like, with destination weddings or if someone says, like, you need to get the dress, get your own makeup, get your, your own hair done, get there, you need a hotel room, all this stuff, and then you're starting to get up into, like, thousands of dollars. Is it okay to say, I can't do that? I wish I could be there, but I can't, but I can't. Unless you can pay for it for me, I'm not able to make it. Yes, it is okay. Um, and some, and I think that this goes into what I'm always telling you is that you don't need to make excuses. You don't need to explain why. Um, in fact, sometimes if you really don't want to, it's easier to say, I'm sorry, I just can't, or thank you for the honor, but no thank you. Instead of, I don't have enough money, and I... I will disagree with you here. On on this one occasion in our entire lives, I will disagree with you. Only because, like, if it were a very close friend of mine, and I was asking them to be at my wedding, them responding like, I can't make it, would, like, be very hurtful to me. But if they said, I wish I could, but, like, I just got... I just lost my job, or I just had to buy a new car, or I just had to pay this huge bill... I can't afford to be there. At least then I know why. And it's not just like, meh, can't be there. Well, but let me let me come back at you a little bit. What if then you had um, other objections and using money as an excuse, someone might say, oh, well, you can't. Oh, I'll spot you. I'll take care of it. Okay. I guess you're right there. If, if money is your excuse and not your actual verifiable reason, then you should probably just not go. But if it is really, if money is the only thing holding you back, I think it's perfectly fine to say, I can't afford to. Because then it does present the, you know, the couple, the opportunity to say, well, we really want them there. And we understand that this is a financial undertaking. So we will cover them because it is important for us to have you there. Like, you know what I mean? If it is truly, honestly, just a financial restriction keeping you from being able to attend the wedding, giving the marrying couple a chance to like, get you there, I think it's okay. All right. I'll allow it. If you're comfortable with that. Because I think to your point, if you would be so embarrassed and so uncomfortable with someone else having to pay for your stuff, then don't don't give them the chance. Just Mm -hmm. say, like, I'm scheduling, I can't, whatever. Well, and I mean, 
there are lots of reasons why you might decline other than monetary. Um, you might decline because you're not that close to the people getting married and maybe uh, it's not something you're comfortable doing or maybe you have objections to one side marrying the other. Um, and if, if you have real issues, don't be there. Yeah, if you have real issues, it's better that you not go. This question is from Matthew, and this is the last facet of this question we will explore. As the marrying couple, what should we be expected to pay for? Clothes, hair, makeup, hotel, etc. Um, now, we went through all of the traditions... And, and traditionally, these peop- the people who stand up with you at your wedding are expected to pay for it themselves. If you have the good fortune to contribute and assist and help out the people that you have asked to stand with you, I say do it. Yeah, I think, I personally think, I, Travis McRae, I I think that it is good schmanners if you ask something above and beyond, like, for example, if everyone is in town already and you decide, like, what I want the night before my wedding is for us to all stay in this fancy hotel together in the same town in which you live. And it's very important to me that the entire party is there. Okay, cool. You need to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you're making or if you say, I don't want everyone wearing suits they already own. I want them to rent specific matching suits for this day. Okay, cool. That's above and beyond. I think you should pay. In my opinion, you should pay for that. Because I think if, if it's one thing to be like, everyone needs to have a suit. Okay, cool. Like, I think that's pretty basic wedding party stuff. But if you want them to all get matching, you know, $400 tuxes, that's your decision. And I think that that's something you should cover. That is very kind of you. Unfortunately, that's not usually the way that things work. Well, I'm just a super good person. Like, you are, I know that. You I know are that. Super, you're just a super I'm just good a person. Su- I'm just like the best. I like, I get that. Like, I know that about myself. So, the answer is you are not expected to pay for anything. The wedding party is traditionally expected to pay for their own things. Um, but if you can assist, you really should because it adds up so fast. So fast. Uh, this is from Tobes on Twitter. If you were in someone's wedding party, do you have to have them in yours? I I would hope that if you were in someone's wedding party, um, they would feel, you know, your relationship would be close enough that it would be reciprocated and you would be in each other's. But again, that's not always the way that it works. And I don't think that it is necessary that you invite um every single person that you have ever stood up with at a wedding to be in your wedding party. It should be the people that you feel the closest to and the people you feel like um, are are really going to celebrate your day and, and enjoy it with you. My metric for deciding who was in my wedding party was to think if something horrible happened in my life, if we had some huge mishap, who would be the people that I would turn to to like help? You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. that's who I want. Not just like, oh, I had, I had a really good time one time hanging out with this dude, but like, who are the people that I know I could trust to be there if something went wrong? And that's who I put in my party. And you know what? I'm going to tie that into this question because I think you and I have a very 
differing viewpoint of like the size of wedding parties. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Alice on Twitter. What do you do if you want a wedding party, but the person you're marrying doesn't? Now, originally, how many people did you want in your wedding party? Just like three. For, okay. And who would those people have been? Well, uh, we don't have to say, but, <laughs> um, and I wanted something like 10 yeah. because I was very much under the like, but I knew I was friends with this guy this one summer. Um, and, and, you know, after a while, I think we both kind of came to the agreement of like, but who are the people? Mm-hmm. But like, who are the people? And I like, really those are the people that, we asked. That this, the, the planning of the wedding is really your first exercise as a couple in compromise. Yeah, very. We went between three and ten, and we ended at like seven. So I thought we did great. Yeah, well. Uh, I was pretty happy with it. Um, I think what it comes <laughs> down to is I don't think there is any limit. And you know what? Here's the other thing. The way I look at it is if you want to have like six people stand up to you there and your partner wants zero, that's fine. Day of is going to be your partner's issue when they have zero people standing with them and you've got six people and it looks like you've outnumbered them seven <laughs> to one. But like at the end of the day, it's both of your weddings. So like it's fine if they want zero and you want six. Sure. Like do that. It might look weird in pictures. I mean, I think that's a good selling point to any partner. If they're like, no, you can have people. I won't have people. But like, okay, that's going to look weird and imbalanced in pictures. Just know that. So maybe just pick like six people and it'll be fine. Um, but, you know, and like Tracy asked a question about, like we talked about earlier, like mixing and matching genders in the parties and just having people from all over the spectrum. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Who cares? Like, it's your, it's your day. Uh, when we were getting married and when we were planning our stuff, there were so many people that said like, well, you know. The wedding's really not for you. It's for all the people there. No, horse apples. <laughs> I think it's for you. In this day and age, that wedding is for you. Do what you want. You know what I mean? If you want to have if you want to have your entire marching band friends stand up there with you, go to town. Make sure you have a venue that accommodates that. But sure, who's going to like, yeah, no one's going to like, you're not getting graded on it. Do whatever you want. I think that the, the wedding series that we are doing is really a perfect example of here are the traditions and here's the reason why people do this. But please do whatever it is that you want to do. Keeping in mind that all of that stuff is kind of, you know, you're allowed to pick and choose from the traditions that you enjoy. And you should always be gracious and and helpful and and all those things you can keep the etiquette and the politeness in mind while you are doing whatever it is you want to do with your day yeah and i mean i'm not saying be a monster like cameron asked uh how do i narrow it down and pick my party without hurting anyone's feelings like yeah that's def that is definitely a concern and i think the answer to that if i may Sure, go for it. There are many other facets that people can help out with the wedding, like we mentioned earlier, like ushers, you know, that kind of thing, where you can find places for people to help and still include them in stuff like, you know, the wedding shower, bachelor parties, you know, if there's a room in like rehearsal dinners, um, you can include them without them having to be the people that stand up at the front with you. You can still make people feel included. And not have to have an entire marching band in your wedding party. Absolutely. Uh, This question is from Lauren. I was just asked as a friend to officiate the wedding. 
I have no idea what that entails besides saying, you may now kiss the bride. What are my duties in that role? Oh, boy. Um, well, you should make sure that in some facet you are legally oh, yes. mm-hmm. allowed to officiate. Uh, whether in your state that means getting a online kind of church license somehow. Or becoming a sea captain. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, you need to make sure that, that you are legally allowed to perform it. Um, you, you, I mean, if you have a marriage license granted by your city or state, that's, that's one half of it, but then you need to make sure that everything's above board for your end. Um, and I think that the people that you should really be talking to is the couple that asked you to do it. Um, what kind of things they want included in their wedding. That's what Jeremy did with it. Jeremy kind of sat down and much like a wedding planner said like, here are your options. Here are some things I've done before. And like, we brought some stuff to the table that we had researched and said, you know, we really like the idea of this kind of thing being included in the ceremony. And, but I, I would say that if you're being asked as a friend to officiate it, the reason is because they want it to feel personal. They right. want it to not just feel like somebody reading a script. So think about what you know about those friends and, you know, do that. Like, make it feel like their specific personalized ceremony and not just something you found in a book. But you shouldn't have to do it by yourself. You want to contact your your um, the couple that asked and, and make sure that you all work on this together. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to worry about this by yourself. Uh, one last question. This is from Tanner. Travis and Teresa, is it okay if we recreate your amazing group photo at our wedding? We're kind of super fans. <laughs> well, I mean, our group photo was a recreation of a famous work of art, so... Yeah, you ain't stealing it from us. We stole it from them. We did We did the Last <laughs> Supper, and it was the... Okay, this is my favorite part of this photo, is the last photo we took before we, like, re-let people back into the venue, and I was so, like over pictures and ready to move on. And and I can't remember whose idea it was, but somebody was like, well, we should do The Last Supper. And I was like, yes, uh, okay, we don't have time for this. And it's the greatest picture that has ever been taken of us ever in my entire... Thank I you, think Jason Sheldon. was somebody saw how long our like head table was, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know what this looks like? This looks kind of like that table in that painting. It went so good. We'll post it on, on the Schmanner's Twitter so everybody can see it because I'm pretty proud of it. Thank you to Jason. Jason Sheldon did our wedding photography in Cincinnati. If you are in Cincinnati and you need some wedding photography done, he did our engagement photos. So if you've seen what I like to call our winter is coming engagement photo where we were very, very serious. Um, and he also did our wedding photos and it was really wonderful. He also does headshots. He also does headshots. He's great. Jason Sheldon. Um, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for joining us for another wedding episode. I think this is like doing the wedding episodes makes me really happy because it reminds me of our wedding, which made me really happy. You're so sweet. I love you very much. I love you too. Um, and I also love our listeners. Thank you for listening listeners. Thank you for going on iTunes, writing and reviewing and subscribing. Thank you for retweeting the episode when you see it pop up on Twitter. Thank you for following us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. Uh, you can also join our Facebook group if you just search Schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. You will find it. Um, oh, And thank you for always being so very polite on that group, everyone. Um, I really appreciate it. And like I said, 
the other week. I read every post and I approve every post. So I know how great y'all are. She knows everything. Um, we're very excited. This is, I'm sorry we haven't talked about this on previous episodes, but since we missed last week, we weren't able to talk about it. But every year, my brother, my brother, and me does a special Candle Nights um, performance. And usually it's in December. But this year, because of oncoming babies and because we're filming our My Brother, My Brother, and Me CISO show, we are doing it in September. So September 30th in Huntington, West Virginia, we are going to be doing a candle night show. And this show is going to be jam-packed with performances. We've got Schmanners, this show, Still Buffering, Sawbones, and My Brother, My Brother, and Me. It's going to be a pretty big night. Tickets are only $20. Now, by the time you hear this... It's possible they might have sold out. <laughs> they sell pretty quickly. But if they haven't, you can go to Candle Nights 2016. So CandleNights2016.bpt.me. So brown paper tickets. bpt.bpt.me. Um, get your tickets there. Uh, tickets are actually $21 because $1 of every sale goes to benefit uh, a local charity here in Huntington. But if you're, you know, if you're interested in making a road trip to Huntington, West Virginia on September 30th to see four really great live podcasts, you should do it. Um, speaking of really great podcasts, go check out all the other amazing MaximumFun.org shows. We're going to be at MaxFunCon this weekend um, hanging out and we're really excited to see everybody. So you might see us. Walking around, I do want to remind everybody, we'll have two pregnant ladies with us, so be on your best manners when you come up and talk to the pregnant ladies and don't overwhelm them or I'll beat you up. Um, <laughs> I won't beat you up. Um, yeah, we're really excited to see everybody at, at Max FunCon and we're excited for everybody to listen to this episode. Um, I want to say thank you to Brent, Brentel Foss Black, for our theme song and to Kayla and Mosso for all of our art. And of course, thank you to Miss Manners and Emily Post, my girls. And that's going to do it for us this week. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.